Hey everybody, this is Pastor Jess Stanfield, and this recording or uh, sort of it's a preliminary podcast. We're just going to test the waters here a little bit, but considering the historical event that took place yesterday with the whole Judge Kavanaugh, uh, I would say debacle, but other people's would other people would describe it differently. But you know, I thought it would be good if I could bring some something to the table, get you guys thinking about it, um, give us something to talk about. But what we always want to do as Christians is bring everything back to the Word of God, think biblically and scripturally. And so anyway, I've got a good friend here with me, uh, Glenn Dyer. Uh, Glenn is a PhD student. He is working on a PhD. Glenn, what's your, what's your study on? Historical theology. Historical theology. Any very any aspect of that historical theology? The cer- ceremonial law of the Old Testament, looking at um, Westminster Confession, chapter 19, talking about the uh, instruct- diverse instructions of moral duties found in the uh, ceremonial law. Well, that's, um, that's a very interesting study, and I, I can't wait for that to be put into print. But uh, Glenn is also under care uh, under Metro Presbytery, PCA. He is under care of that presbytery. So he is a member of Trinity Presbyterian Church in Covington, Georgia. And uh, But anyway, I thought that I would take Glenn and ask him some questions. He watched a good bit of the, the hearing, Glenn? You watched? Yeah, I watched the, um, or listened to part of it and watched part of it. The uh, As Judge Kavanaugh was, uh, gave his defense and was questioned. Okay. And so what I'm, what we're doing here is as, as we talk about this, I know Glenn's going to bring a biblical grid to the discussion. And I thought it would be good for us to engage one another, but also allow you guys, uh, Zion family to hear this, uh, exchange between Glenn and I and, hopefully prompt a a um so a way to think that we don't get caught up in the hysteria and the emotionalism that is just glenn it's rampant i mean this was a very this was a very emotional thing that went on and i and i have to admit it was painful for me to watch her give some of her testimony i felt for her i mean i felt for both of them um i, I thought that more than likely, neither one of them, their lives are going to be changed. This is this has pretty much affected their Absolutely. lives. What do you think? Absolutely. And I, I don't think that um, it's it's right to um, to just take a side without hearing, you know, the case in this sense. Now, this wasn't a trial, right? I mean, this was not a trial. This was just to see if there was enough evidence, basically, to 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 halt his confirmation or do away with his confirmation, correct? As I understand it. Okay. Well, listen, let's do this. Glenn, why don't um, tell us what, first of all, a summary in your just a few words, what you thought about the situation, the questioning. Well, it was obvious that it, you know, as I listened to it, you could see both party lines dug in on both sides. Um, as I listened to the questions that were asked of him, um, and 
I would listen back again to hear a, a Republican that would speak. Uh, it, what did strike me was how something that of this nature, there was protocol for this to be handled privately, and yet it was aired publicly. And there's reasons why that stuff is, is, is handled privately first. Because <clears throat> to bring a charge like that, if there's no evidence, it doesn't matter uh, how it comes out. If it comes out even in his favor, he's already been slandered. Say it go, it went to trial. Say they did get the FBI investigation. Let me ask this question because I think it's important to make this point. He didn't rape her. No. There was no rape. No. It was, if I guess, would it be more accurate to say if she is telling the truth that it was an attempt to sexually assault her? Well, if she's telling the truth... Um, then yes, it sounded like there was an attempt. I mean, but it, from her description, he put his put his hand over her mouth and that kind of kind of thing. And so, you know. But in the end, the question is, where's the evidence? Right. If it comes down to just somebody being found guilty because somebody else says so with no evidence, um, everybody's in jeopardy. Well, that's true. Um. Now, tell me what your impression was of her. I didn't see a lot of her testimony. Um, I caught his because it was so late in the afternoon. So I, I really can't speak to a whole lot of what she said. Um, but based on what I'm understanding as I, as I did come into it and get to sit and watch it, um, as the committee critiqued what was said they made clear that she really even the three witnesses plus her best friend none of that evidence um was valid so and and she, even she even, had no corroborating evidence none um and so what what i found interesting was how silent the democrats were on that issue the republicans kept bringing it up because they were trying to make the point that there was, there was none. But if there had been some, you would think that in that committee meeting, the Democrats would have brought it up and said, no, there was corroborating evidence. Here it is. So they were silent. They were silent on that. And they kept telling him, trying to get him to push, to ask for an FBI investigation, which I think it was Mr. Tillis who pretty much you know, drew a death nail to that when he laid out the whole process that they had been going through investigating this thing the whole time um, and the timeline. And it's even online. You can go online and see it. They, they've, they've posted it. So well, listening to his testimony, then let's just focus on that since that's what you heard. Tell me what it, tell me what you heard him say and, and tell me how that has influenced you. Well, what I witnessed and heard was a man who produced corroborating evidence for his his own testimony. He produced a calendar that nowhere that was very detailed. I mean, they even flashed it a couple of times and showed it. And um, 
that which I, you know, when I first heard he had a calendar, the first thing that went through my mind was, who keeps a calendar? Well, I've seen some comedians making fun of that. Well, he he addressed that in his opening statement and made the comment that his dad has done that. I think he said since '78, and that his dad did it as both a a calendar, but also as a diary, and that his dad okay. would tell stories sometimes and just go get the calendar, look back at a date remember something and tell stories about what happened based on him looking at the calendar and seeing that date and that event coming back to his mind. And he said he started doing it. I, th I think he said uh, in the eighth grade, don't hold me to that, but I think that's what he had said. And so that explained to me, cause I mean, look, I, I, I don't know of anybody that hasn't used a calendar at some point but as a memory tool no but just as a as, mean, well you know just as a calendar but I, the first thing that went through my mind was who who keeps a calendar well, but once he explained why he did it it made sense as to why he had it and so but here's the one thing that did strike me um if you've got to go back to somebody's high school uh age when he's been in public office for so long, to me that that was a red flag. I, to me, it was just huge to say, "Okay, we want to we want to investigate this guy." And the only dirt we can dig up is something that happened to him either his freshman year in college or when he was in high school. We have no evidence. We have a lady who 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 is given this testimony, and all of her witnesses can't verify her story. And I think the other two accusers refused to testify, backed out. I, I, I don't know. I, I think they have pulled away. I don't think they're, they're planning to testify. Well, what do you see, Glenn, biblically, as we come to this as Christians, obviously we're not to be prejudiced in our judgment. You know, we should be, um, we should allow the truth to stand. That's why it's important to look at evidence and not emotions. Um, how do you see this jeopardizing that, that, I don't know, institution, that, that, that foundation, that truth is, is so important to every society. And without it, how does that society sustain itself and continue to exist and function? Well, it can't. Um, that's why the sanctity of truth is upheld in the Decalogue itself. I mean, without, without truth, um, if you can just go around spreading false accusations about people or go into a commerce uh, agreement with somebody and there's no truth, uh, everything falls apart. What foundation do we have to build a society if there is no truth? And so, um, you know, I, I, I think I've heard a lot of people respond about her not crying or her crying, her being afraid. And then I've heard people talk about him crying and that kind of thing. Emotions aren't the issue. I could tell you if somebody had maligned me or lied about me, if he's innocent, and, it, and in my opinion, it seems like that's the way the evidence went is that he is innocent. But I could tell you that if somebody had lied about me 
slandered my name, ruined my reputation, because this man's reputation, in one sense, is damaged it's forever. Because they drug this out publicly, it has been done in the public arena, and people have drawn conclusions based on what they've seen, what they've heard. Whether he's guilty or not, there's always going to be that question mark on his character, and it will follow him forever. But I could tell you if it had been me, I, I probably would have been more angry. Uh, I, I probably would have, you know, I'm sure there would have been tears just coming from me just out of my anger. Yeah, yes, it was 36 years ago, but that's not the point. The point is the man's, the man's character has been, has been under attack. And basically it was done with the, when it's, when the dust settles, it's her word against his word. And if that's all there is that, and that's all it takes to ruin somebody, we've got problems. Well, you know, you bring up a couple of interesting points. There doesn't seem to be any penalty for any accuser. Mm-mm. It seems to me that, that this is one of the frag, fragile platforms that we've rested things on. And is that we can make any accusation, particularly in this social justice mindset culture that's being created around us, that as, as some feminists have promoted, right, the woman is to be believed no matter what, right. at all costs. And, and, you know, that does tug on our strings, right, because we, we hate the idea of somebody t- being taken advantage of. We hate it. We, d- we despise it. We want to fight against it. So that, that creates already a, uh, a defense response. Well, of course we don't. We want a victim to be, you know, to receive justice. Absolutely. But, but that's, not what they, that's not what they mean. They don't mean justice. Um, not with the intersexual, uh, intersectionality approach where the more victim statuses you can accumulate, the more you're uh, to be heard, the bigger platform you're to have. That's a problem. Well, what do we do, though? I mean, if we were, if we were going to rest some things on some biblical principles and laws, if, if you, you would be careful to come and make an accusation if you couldn't prove it. Well, absolutely. You know, well, if, he's if, losing a career. What does she lose? Well, at this point, she's lost nothing. Matter of fact, now her name's out there, and she's probably more popular than ever. Um, but in the Old Testament, I mean, when you stop and think about the fact that if you you made an accusation against somebody and you lost, you suffered the penalty that, that they would have suffered. Hmm. See, she has no ramifications at this point. They talk about her as a victim, and I heard that yesterday. Um, if she was raped... And again, based or on attempted. What, or attempted, she didn't claim rape, but but somehow sexually violated in any way, then by all means, uh, I think justice needs to be meted out. The problem was the evidence was not there to prove that. I mean, number one, that wasn't a court case, but um, they were there to hear whether or not he was qualified to be appointed. Um, but there again. Th- with the lack of evidence, all they did, and again, let's go back to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 has, has a process, and I think this is what some of those senators were trying to emphasize yesterday. 
they too have a process, just like Matthew 18. If there's a problem, you go to the person individually. If, 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 if you can't reconcile and, and get this offense or whatever fixed, then you take two or more, and then it escalates. Well, that same principle should have been held there, and they have uh, a process in place to where those things were to be handled privately rather than to be aired publicly just in case it was a false accusation. It would guard his reputation. But even then, in a private setting, it would also guard her reputation. Um, I, I can't speak to her heart. I don't know what she was thinking or, or what have you. If she did ask for it to, to be kept private, and somehow it was leaked. I think whoever leaked it needs to be held accountable. I think there needs to be ramifications for that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if we were if we were to really seek justice, then we would certainly bring some form of punishment to those who are found guilty of making false accusations. Well, it's perjury. It is perjury. Absolutely. And, and it does, there is an intention to do damage and harm. Absolutely. I mean, because if, if they are heard and believed and there's weight to it, then obviously there's consequences on the other side. Uh, a absolutely. You know. And the Word of God is very clear that the greater the damage, the greater the penal sanction that's attached to that situation and scenario. So it's one thing for her to lie, say, to her spouse or to her children. Still a sin. There's still a consequence. But to lie publicly, if she has lied, um, or to misrepresent something or to make that claim, to agree to go public and you really not have the evidence to back it up, your witnesses won't uh, corroborate your story, but yet you're willing to air this publicly? The consequences of that sin, when you're talking about maligning a public official, is aggravated. And when you go back and look at the Westminster Larger Catechism, I think it's 151, and it talks about sins being aggravated. They become more heinous based on different circumstances. This is one that she wasn't just telling, as you know, you've heard people talk this about isn't little living room discussion. No, this is now a public thing that has altered this man's life for the rest of his life. Matter of fact, he admitted that he may never be able to go back on to a college campus to teach law again. He may never be able to teach a girls' basketball team again, even though his career is stellar. Nothing's been proven. Nothing. Not one written or 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 uh, recorded accusation of any type of ill conduct on his behalf in this manner at all. And now his life is now this cloud will always be over him. It, it's 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 scary that all it took was a letter going to the to 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 one individual or to three i think it was actually written to three individual three letters the same letter in three individual hands but ended up becoming public um it would have been one thing if she had been able to 
produce evidence that did actually convict him. But I think one thing that spoke to me more than anything else that shows me that even the Democrats that were sitting on the other side, they understood there was no evidence. And the way we know that is because they kept asking him to call for an FBI investigation. Well, if there was evidence there, you don't need the FBI investigation. What does that tell you? They sat and listened to her whole testimony and there was nothing they could actually hang a conviction on. So what do they do? Well, we need another investigation. That to me is is more damaging to the whole scenario and her testimony as a whole than anything else. And I think something else, I think something needs to be said about he's not obligated to call for an investigation. The man man said he's innocent. Right. And but he's going to be Again, I think if he doesn't call for the investigation, Glenn, he's guilty because he won't call for the investigation. Th- they've created a scenario he cannot escape from and look and look innocent. Right. There has to be a burden of proof. And it, when you let the, the those people create the laws and the rules, so to speak, by which everybody else has to go by, which changes depending on the circumstance, it's a lose-lose situation. Absolutely. It's a lose-lose situation. I think... Um, now you do have a, you do have some experience working um, in a grand jury, you know. So as we talk about what you heard, um, you've had to sit for a couple of days and listen to testimony on whether or not there was enough evidence to bring certain cases to court. Am I right? I, I did. What did you learn in that process? Well, one thing I learned is that as you sit, there's a great weight on you um, as you sit there and you listen because you're, you're in the state of Georgia as a grand jury, your job, your responsibility is to weigh the evidence that is brought in and put before you. You can ask questions. You can, you can ask for other witnesses. You can, you can, but the whole responsibility is for you to judge the evidence and, and answer this one question. Is there enough evidence here to move this forward to a trial? And I think this is kind of like what the um, senators were saying, that there's this, this process there within the Senate that, Things are looked at, evidence weighed behind the doors before they go and, and, and they're made public. And that's the one thing that sitting on a grand jury that I learned was, and it is a heavy weight because depending on how you vote, if you vote yes, that there is enough evidence, somebody's going to be sitting in the witness stand. Somebody's going to be cross-examined. Somebody's life is going to be pulled apart with depositions. And that stuff's going to be made public record. Um, and so you have to listen carefully. You have to ask questions. You have to take it seriously. You don't, I know a lot of people didn't want to be there. I get that. There's a lot you, you, people talk about, oh, I got jury duty. It really is a civic duty, but yet it's one of great weight and responsibility because people's lives are in the balance. What happens to them based on your decision 
could alter their life forever. Mm. And um, that's pretty powerful. It is, and 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 so as you're sitting there, uh, some of it. It brings tears to your eyes. It's a I mean, lot of responsibility. Here. Yeah, and so when you know, like our, our, you know, whether it's a child abuse case or whatever, when you see people truly abused and the evidence is there, whether it's photographs or eyewitness testimony, um, you know, whether it's you know a relative, a friend, a policeman, whoever's sitting there giving you this evidence and you're listening to it, uh, your heart breaks for the victim. Your heart breaks for this person who has suffered an injustice. And, and there's this anger that wells up in you. You want to see justice done for them. But when you hear uh, someone charged and there is no evidence, there is also an anger that comes up. It's like, what if that was me? What if that was one of my loved ones that's being accused and really I can't, there's nothing here that gives me any conscience, uh, makes my conscience scream, we need to get justice for this because that right there, that is credible evidence. But when the credible evidence is not there, uh, you can't do it. Well... I think this has been helpful, and I want to just sort of end this little Zion cast on a couple of things. We want to, you know, we want to control things. We want to get justice for the victim, but we also should want to protect the innocent. Oh, absolutely. And I don't see an emphasis on protecting the innocent, but I, I would say this. We can't control everything, and there is... A system that our Lord has given us for society to go by. And that doesn't mean, let's just say there's not enough evidence. That doesn't mean the guy's innocent. That's exactly right. And we have this tendency, well, he's going he's gonna to go free. He's going to do it again. Well, you know what? We need to trust God. Absolutely. Who is the supreme judge of all things. He is going to mete out on that final day all justice. No one's escaping anything. Now, in this life, is is it possible he can escape that justice here, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, but I, but we cannot, Glenn, harm those things that have been put in place to protect innocence, to bring true justice to the victim when there is a victim. Um, and we punish we, the wicked and punish the wicked. We've got to be able. We we can't just tear those barriers down because we're emotional about it. That's exactly right. And I think that process needs to stay there. I think that I think we need to do a better job in this country on defining our process. I think we need to. I think we need God's law to give us light Absolutely. into these matters. And I think as you guys listen to this discussion, I want you to walk away with this: we have the answers, or at least we have the book that has the answers, and there's light. Guys, it's dark around us, but when the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. And we have answers for people. We need to know how to give them. So I want you to be encouraged by listening to this um, go back and forth. Glenn, is there anything you want to close with? There is one thing. There's one law that I'd like to bring up. Okay. Um, you know, in situations where uh, it's impossible to prove one way or another, and you have to leave it into the hand and the judgment of God. There were cases like that in the Old Testament. 
the water ordeal. When you had a jealous husband who felt like his wife had committed adultery, but he had absolutely no proof, um, they would go to the temple. The priest would mix up this, uh, the, this dust from the temple and this water, and, and she would drink it. And it wasn't that the, the, the state punished her. It wasn't that the husband punished her. It wasn't that the community punished her. God dealt with it. And whatever happened, happened because God was conscious of what was going on. And when it could not be proved in the civil court, in the heavenly court, it was already judged and determined. And God judged if she was innocent, then he acquitted her. If she was guilty, he judged her. And so, I, whether he did this or not is not the question. The question is, did they prove their case? And I say no. But if he did do it, God is aware of it. And God will judge, either in this life or the next. And um, if she lied... God's aware of it, and He will judge either in this life or the next. But there is a reckoning day. And we have these examples in God's law. We just aren't familiar with them. Well, I think it's important that we, I mean, more so than, than the, the world around us. I mean, we as Christians have got to learn to trust the Lord. Absolutely. And God is intimately involved not only in our lives but in the world that He created. And, and none, of this, none of this escapes Him. And, um, you know, if, if he has lied and he has fooled the nation with his high position, 151, larger catechism, 151, he has brought greater guilt upon himself. Absolutely. And, and so I think it's important to rest in the fact that, you know, we, we want to maintain true victim status, what that is, and we want to maintain innocence. And right. really, really handle both gingerly, biblically, lovingly, and all the things that involve so that when there really is a victim, they can get justice. And when there really is somebody innocent, they can be, be vindicated. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's all we have for you. I hope you, I hope you like this. If you do, let us know. Um, we plan on creating uh, more content and things of this nature. And uh, we'd like to, uh, like to hear what you have to say about it. Y'all have a great day. Lord bless.